you don't have to invest hundreds of dollars a month. You could start with just a little bit. And because you're doing it consistently, that's going to add up and it's going to build up to be a huge account and a great account that will provide you with resources in the future. If you're ready to say yes to your wealthiest and most abundant life, overflowing bank accounts and a deep sense of inner fulfillment, well, then you are definitely in the right place. Welcome to the Girl Unfiltered podcast. I'm your host, Helena Grace Donald, and I'm a money mindset expert, success, and business coach. But really, all you need to know is that I am obsessed with helping women feel safe and in total flow around money. So let's do this. Hello, and welcome back to the Girl Unfiltered podcast. And today we're really diving into the topic of money and specifically money management, because I know the world of money management can feel like a totally scary and overwhelming place, (laughs) especially for us women. And it can feel like you don't know what moves to make. You don't know what plans to make for your money. And I certainly know how scary the world of investing can feel because I felt all of those things too. But here's the thing that I've definitely discovered on my money mindset journey is that when we hold on to the belief that we are terrible money managers or we don't know what to do with our money, That shows up in our ability to receive money in overflow because what we're actually signaling to the energy and frequency of money is that actually you're not safe in my presence because I don't fully know what to do with you. That's why I really love incorporating aspects of money management into all of the programs that I do. And also, of course, into this podcast, which is exactly why I have today's guest joining me. Because Julie Alma Taveras has become a global sensation when it comes to the topic of investing. She's also known online as the Investing Latina. She has won awards for what she does. She writes for publications like CNBC, for the Huffington Post, for all kinds of amazing publications. And I felt so blessed and so lucky to have her come and join me in this conversation and really dive into the ins and outs of investments and where to even begin and how you begin even without having huge chunks or large amounts of money to put into investments or stocks. I just feel like she breaks it down in a really simple way. And when we can grasp it on that level, then I think it feels a lot less overwhelming and will inspire you, I think, to take action and to know even why to take action. So just a little bit more background on who Julie is. Well, She really supports the Latino community in really spending intentionally and empowering themselves with investments. She's taught thousands of people how to invest through her programs, through her YouTube channel, and through her Instagram account at Investing Latina. She went from a total overspender, in her words, a shopaholic, to a smart spender and a totally diligent investor. And she shares bits and pieces of that story. And I hope that it inspires you to know what is available for you and what is possible for you when it comes to the dynamics and the energetics of money. So let's dive straight into today's conversation. I am so excited to have today's guest who, as soon as I reached out to her on Instagram, was like a hell yes to coming and joining me on the podcast. So thank you because something you shared about investing and money management just resonated with me so much. And I think it is such an important piece when it comes to money mindset for women. So thank you, first and foremost, for doing what you do and showing up for your community as the Investing Latina, because it is so needed and so powerful. Welcome to the Girl Unfiltered podcast. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. Yes, I absolutely said yes right away because I'm like, of course, like let's talk money, let's do this, and mindset, all the things that are so important for us to feel that sense of security in our lives. Yeah, absolutely. 
Before we dive into all of the incredible wisdom that you have to share around investments and money management, I'm really genuinely curious how the Investing Latina was even born, what you know started this powerful journey. Please tell us more about you and how you became who you are today. Oh my God. Thank you. I'm still a work in progress. Honestly, I, (laughs) right. Aren't we all right? I thought two years ago, how cool it would be to share my struggles with personal finance, along with my progress and along with my small wins. So I started investing Latina and I keep trying to remember how I thought of the name I didn't have this like, I don't know if there was just this moment that I thought, yeah, this sounds perfect. But truly, I identified, I identify as Latina. I was born in the Dominican Republic and I started investing at a young age. I was 19 years old. So that was kind of cool. Not that I knew anything of what I was doing. I made a lot of mistakes, but I started. And so I was like, you know, I guess I've always been an investing Latina, you know? So let me go ahead and and grab that name, which. Instagram gave me trouble for. They were like, oh, are you a scammer? (laughs) And I had to send like a picture of myself and all these things. It was so funny. But eventually after a little back and forth, I got the account and I started sharing like my struggles with a shopping addiction that I had and um, the things that woke me up in life in terms of, you know, you can't live this way. You can't uh, just be in a cycle of buying based on your feelings and not having any sort of sense of control or direction in life. And um, so I shared that story and I think it resonated with a lot of people. My account got traction and it grew pretty quickly, which was really amazing to see. I showed up to your point. I showed up every single day. It was a lot of work, especially at the beginning. Right now, I don't I don't I'm not online as much. But at the beginning, I was on social like at least 35 hours a week. You know, any chance that I could, I would be up late. I would wake up early. I was pretty obsessed with it because I was very obsessed with helping people. And every question that I got, I wanted to answer. And and so that's really how how my platform started. And eventually it grew to many other things like it is now. Um, You know, now we're at almost 40,000 followers on Instagram. We have a community outside of Instagram that meets on a weekly basis. Those are the women that have taken my workshop and we learn about different stocks every single week. And then um, I've been fortunate to become a public speaker in this world. So speaking for the Fortune 20 companies has been something that I've been able to, the privilege to be able to do and more because there's, it's just so exciting to me and I am excited for what's to come. But Really, it really started with me sharing my struggles. And it's a powerful thing to do. It's a hard thing to do. <laughs> I was anonymous at first because I was sharing a lot wow. and I was too ashamed. I, I hid my face. You know, I, I was hiding behind, you know, the Instagram squares and diff- and celebrities. And then eventually I got the courage to just come out, you know, and and be be true to myself. Mm. So that was kind of the beginning. And two years later, it's it's pretty cool how what it's become. Wow. <laughs> I'm so grateful to you for sharing your face because there's so much, so much power in that. And good on you for openly allowing yourself to be vulnerable in that story, because I'm sure by doing so, you've helped so many in so many different parts of the world and and communities. And would you be willing or open to sharing parts of that story with the listeners now? Because God, when I hear that you're investing at 19, I'm like, wow, what was I doing at 19? Because it definitely wasn't feeling confident investing. But I'd love to hear more about that that journey with money that you've been on and and some of those stories that maybe you shared with your community right back in the beginning. Yeah. So when I started, I had no idea what I was doing. I have to some way, some form find this woman who worked in the HR department of the nonprofit that I was working at because she was the one in a very dry type of way. (laughs) That was kind of her personality. 
like she showed no emotions at all. <laughs> um, and uh, so she told me, like, listen, you have access to a 403B. If you put in money, you will get free money. And that's all she had to say for me to be like, yes, sign me up. I am a broke college student. I was actually working while I was in college. I was like, I'm a broke college student and I definitely like the idea of free money. Give it to me. And so I started contributing to my 403B account, which is very similar to 401k. It's just that it's for the nonprofit sector. Um, And so I started with that and it was in the recession. (laughs) It was in in 2007, 2008, when the recession was, was not doing, when the economy was not doing well, the stock market definitely was not doing well. Um, but I started contributing $50 a month, which was very minimal. If I knew then what I knew now, I would have been putting my, my whole paycheck in there. (laughs) But, um, you know, I started very small $50 a month. And, um, when I saw that account grow as the economy progressed and as the stock market started to rebound a couple of years later, I really started to get kind of wide eyed. And I was like, Whoa, what is happening here? I actually have a you know, $10,000 in this account. Mind you, my credit card was maxed out during this time. Multiple credit cards were maxed out. I was shopping like a maniac. And I actually, a lot of people don't know this about me, uh, but I work in the fashion industry and I still do. (laughs) And uh, that's kind of like the life that, that I had. And it was kind of the reason why I was shopping so much. Because I was like, oh my God, I need the newness. I love this so much. Like doing, I I would be out in stores doing market research, quote unquote. And it ended up with me leaving the store with with five bags, right? (laughs) (laughs) So um, it was just a really interesting moment because I was seeing this account grow. I had a positive account that was growing just from me putting $50 a month into it. And then I had a negative account that was growing in the opposite direction, in the negative direction. So I owed all this money and and every single month I had to pay this high interest rate. And, you know, it becomes very overwhelming very quickly. And and so that was where I kind of was when uh, I started to kind of realize, okay, this is, you know, I'm having a lot of fun shopping, but there's this account that I have that is working for me and I didn't have to do much for it. And and so my mind started to shift. And, um, and another part of the equation was that my father got sick and, and it affected me on a more emotional level. Um, you know, and I felt this sense Mm -hmm. of responsibility to my family to just get it together. So I felt like I was being very selfish where as I, instead of instead of just thinking about myself and doing things because I wanted to go on vacation and go to fancy dinners and go shopping all the time, I I sort of changed the way that I thought about things. And I thought, you know, I really have to take care of my parents if something were to happen to them. I'm the mm-hmm. eldest of, of three siblings. And I did that. And so I started to, to like with a little shovel, <laughs> bury myself out of, uh, or, you know, unbury myself out of this yeah, debt that I, was, <laughs> that I was deep into. Uh, you know, I did a, a lot of burying for many years. And so I started to to do that with a little shovel and I kept going at it. But in a very important part that you have to know if you're in this situation, perhaps you have debt, is that you have to do everything you can to increase your income. Everything mm. you can. And, and that's what I did. I was I was pretty comfortable at a job in in terms of like the work that I did. Um, But I realized that I had overspent for what I was bringing in and I started to move and I started to apply to things and I started to look for that next opportunity. And I would always try to do side hustles um, in my own industry and sometimes outside of the industry, because Sometimes when you're working in a specific career, it's a good thing to take a little break and do something completely different so that you're using a different part of your brain. So I I was mm-hmm. always in the habit of doing that and but this time the money that I was making off of that I wasn't just spending, I was literally putting it towards paying off my debt, 
and then increasing my contributions to my investment account. Wow. I really love that you said that because actually that's an aspect that I don't think we've ever talked about on any, on any of these podcast episodes around money management. And yet it is so key and something I'm very passionate about is expanding your income, expanding your level of wealth and prosperity, because the more that you do that, the more you can then pour back into the investment accounts, the more overflow that you've created. And I love how open you are about that because I think there can also be some kind of, um, especially because I speak to a lot of female entrepreneurs and women in business, there can also in the beginning be shame around what it is that they're earning and um, what the income is in, in their business. And yet when you think about the power of what you did and what you created by having that side hustle or opening up your income, you had that extra pocket to then put back into your investments or to get yourself out of that debt, which would create more surplus for you. And so that's so powerful and something that I'm sure you speak into in your communities, but I'd love you to speak into that, like the power of creating these streams of income, the power of creating that extra stream or creating an extra surplus of let's just say a few hundred dollars a month and what you can do with that. Absolutely. Because it adds up and, and beyond that, beyond the material, the fact that you're going to have that extra income at the end of the month is the fact that you have also positioned yourself in a mindset growth stage. So when you're doing different things, when you're exploring different jobs, when you're trying to think creatively, the only thing that's going to come from that is bigger and better, (laughs) you know, because all of a sudden Mm -hmm. you start to think differently. You're no longer stuck in that place of that single job that you were doing, that single income that you were receiving. Now you're like, oh, wait a second. I have these skills. I have these things that I've acquired through work and through other and through opportunities, right, that we're given through work. Um, our regular jobs, and you can push yourself to grow even beyond that. So for example, I've worked in, in design, merchandising, and sales. Those were three really um, big parts of my career in fashion. And a big part of sales is taking a risk and putting yourself out there and building community, building connections. And so I use that skill that I learned in my work to find more work. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, so I, I'm I'm putting in all of this energy, all of this effort to growing the company that I work for. Let me put some of that energy, some of that effort to establishing my own presence, my own network of people, people that, you know, will know me for the work that I've done in my career, but also know me as a person and also know the other ambitions that I have. And so I think that's really, really important to share with people because we work best with other people. It's impossible to think that we can do everything ourselves and that we don't need people. You can if you want to, but that's kind of depressing, you know? (laughs) And so I, I did that. I said, you know, if I can do it for my company, if I can build their business, you know, I built 20, 20 plus million dollar businesses. Why can't I do that for myself? And that's really how my entrepreneurial mind started to develop. It sounds like you've had a growth mindset or a let's do it mindset for a very long time. And I find that super inspiring. And I'm really curious because I talk a lot about early money programming and money mindset. What did you learn money meant or money was when you were growing up? What did money mean to you? It's a great question because I honestly have felt that my perspective of the past continues to sort of shift in some ways. And I'll explain why. Because before when I the first thing that I knew about money or the first my first memory, my first money memory was when I was 12 years old, um, my dad gave me a credit card and he said, you know, this is my account. I got a credit card for you with your name on it. Since I work so far away, he lived, he, we lived in Brooklyn and I went to school in Brooklyn and he worked in the Bronx. Since we're Mm -hmm. so far away during the day, I need you to have this card in Mm -hmm. case something happens and you need money and you don't have money. 
I said, oh, cool. Okay. I like the sound of that. And so he told me all these great things. But the only thing that I heard was, yes, money to spend, right? Those are, that's, that's what we think. That's what a lot of people think when they get a credit card. It's like, oh, I could just spend on it. Awesome. Amazing. And so that was kind of my first um, money memory in a sense. And I treated that card like I actually never used it. I was kind of afraid of it because of what my dad said. He's like, for emergencies mm-hmm. only. And I said, okay, only for emergencies. And I, I respected it in that way because it was his account. And there's also kind of like that fear, like, oh, I don't want to get in trouble with my dad. Yeah. Um, but what ended up happening later on when I got my own credit card, I was just like, that all went out the window. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, this is now mine. I can do whatever I want with it. I can spend on it. And something tricky about credit cards is the whole point system. And we get a little bit enamored by it. Like, oh, the more you spend, the more points you get and you can use these points. So it's it's just such a funny uh, system that's set up around credit cards. So I really used to, you know, it, it changed for me when I got my own and I started kind of spending a little crazy. Um, but another thing that I learned early on in life is how hard my parents worked. So as I mentioned, like we lived in Brooklyn, my dad worked in the Bronx. He had opened up a store with his brothers, a bodega. And so he had that entrepreneurial spirit. Um, He was well-educated. He was an accountant. Um, He had his degrees from the Dominican Republic, but coming to the U.S., those degrees don't mean anything. Mm. And so he had to start from scratch. He really didn't see himself or he didn't have the opportunities to get a regular a, a bank job like he did in, in back in our country in Dominican Republic. So he had no choice but to figure something else out. He was a cab driver. He uh, delivered. He did all kinds of things before he um, decided to go into business with his brothers. And so that community and that that collaboration also set a really important idea and mindset in my, in my mind to always consider that and always think about that, how important collaboration is, how working together can get you to places that you, that you probably wouldn't be able to reach on your own, or maybe that you just have never mm-hmm. imagined. And, and so he had his store and I would, would go every summer. I was the cashier. I would pack the the bags I would <laughs> I would <laughs> I would uh, load up the shelves, uh, price things, and so they taught me how to work hard, and they also mm-hmm. taught me like you are not below any job, you know, mm-hmm. you do what you got to do, and also on top of doing what you have to do, you serve people, and we served people in our community, and that to mm-hmm. me is really important and really powerful. And, uh, you know, it's just making sandwiches and, and candy and, and uh, gallons of milk. Like that's how we serve people. But it, nonetheless, it was in a community and it was with people that we established really great relationships with. So, so those are all things that really kind of make up kind of how I think about things and who I am today. I am just pressing pause on this conversation for one moment to share an invitation that feels very aligned to share during this conversation. Because I know the person who's listening to this right now is so ready to up-level her relationship with money on a whole new scale. And whether that's the fear of actually managing your money or feeling really blocked around the beliefs that you have around being a good money manager or maybe there are lots of beliefs around your worthiness around receiving or knowing that it is truly safe for you to receive those abundant levels of wealth and prosperity or maybe it's a blocker and a fear around Am I really capable of having both money and this other thing that I deeply desire for my life? There are so many beliefs subconsciously that can linger in the background that totally block you from really stepping powerfully into what you deeply desire and totally deserve. And that is exactly why I created my 12-week Money Mindset Magic program. It is all in there the healing, the inner work, the uncovering, the unveiling, 
the releasing, the stepping up, the manifesting from an aligned place, the money management tips and tools. I poured it all in there. I know that this stuff works because these are the tools that I used on my journey that I've used with all of my clients who have ever worked with me. And I know the importance of this work. I know what it can do for you, for your life, and for all of those around you when you step into this new energetic frequency around money. And that is why I felt like I would be doing you a disservice if I didn't tell you about this program and your opportunity to dive straight into these trainings and these sessions to start going on that healing journey today. To access all of the information and really say yes to this next level of wealth and prosperity, then just head to the link in the show notes that say money mindset magic, and you can see all of the details and learn exactly how you can enroll today in this beautiful, beautiful container. But we have to talk about investing. Let's be real. Honestly, it scares so many and it and it scares a lot of women. And there are a lot of women that I work with and a lot of female listeners on this podcast. And they just feel overwhelmed because I think that they feel like investing is this foreign language, which I will put my hands up and say, it totally felt like that for me at the beginning. And I'm still, I'm still learning and it can feel very confusing. And because of that fear and the belief as well for a lot of women that they're terrible money managers, they never take that first action or they don't really take the time to educate themselves on the topic of investing and empowering themselves. And I know that that's why you're so passionate about what you do. So where the heck do we begin? Like, let's break it down from the very beginning. Like what even is investing? (laughs) Yes. What is investing? Investing is placing your money into an instrument, into a product, into a security, into a house, into your business. Investing is placing current money into something with the expectation and the strategy to expand that and to grow that. And so we do it in a lot of different ways. There are a lot of different strategies to go about investing, but they all come down to three main pillars. You can either invest in the stock market, uh, which is where you invest into securities. You could invest into real estate, which is literally physical property. Or you can invest into a business, which means creating something from scratch in some cases or buying a business and then developing it and growing it however you'd like. So those three Mm -hmm. pillars are essentially how we can simplify investing. That's the first step. Thinking about those three pillars Mm -hmm. and kind of picking which one calls you the most, but also understanding that it's important when we think about pillars, they hold something up, right? So you need a little bit of all of them in order to have a good foundation. And so you have to kind of think about which one you like most, and maybe that's where you spend a lot of time in, but you can neglect the others because that's ultimately what your foundation is going to be built off of. And the stronger your foundation and the more streams that you have, uh, the more investments that you diversify into, the stronger your foundation is going to be. So if we focus on one of those pillars and that pillar is the stock market, the stock market definitely overwhelming. There are thousands and thousands of publicly traded companies in the stock market. So it's really important to understand that the stock market is just companies that are public that say, hey, if you give me $10, you're going to own a tiny slice of our company. And as our company grows, your money will grow. That's essentially how it works, right? Um, So getting started with the stock market definitely seems or can be overwhelming. The language barriers are there, especially for people in my community that may only speak Spanish. But Mm -hmm. also just the language barrier for all of us because the terminology is hella confusing. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) And you're just like, what the hell? What does that mean? Right. So so there's a lot of that, which is why it's important to for me and you know, all the people that are in the space talking about the importance of learning up and educating 
yourselves, you know, because unfortunately we don't have a standard in the U.S. in terms of everybody learning about personal finance and learning about investing. There is no standard. I think we're still trying to work towards that. Um, some schools, some states have have required it, but many still have not. So you get in there, you start to look at all these public companies that are available to you, and then you start to kind of decide, how much can I invest? So you arrive to the stock market, but before you are actually contributing to the stock market and making your picks, you have to self-reflect and be like, how much can I do? I mentioned earlier that I started with $50 and that Mm -hmm. was because I had a company sponsored account and they kind of like, you know, made it easy for me to do it. But truly back then, 13 years ago, 14 years ago, you couldn't open up a regular account and start with $50. The barriers were much higher. You know, there were limit, there were restrictions on how much you would have to have before you started investing. That doesn't exist anymore. And that's Mm -hmm. the beauty of right now. (laughs) And that's the beauty of being able to invest. Literally, as you're listening to this podcast, you can go to one of the major brokers and open up an account. And I don't have affiliations with any of them, which Mm -hmm. is why I can freely just give you a whole list. Uh, You can use Vanguard. You can use Fidelity. You can use Charles Schwab, E-Trade, SoFi. You know, I have actually most of these accounts, A, because I do it for my work. I, I talk about these accounts. And so I, I need to see what they offer and what they're able to do, what they're capable of doing. And B, because I'm an investor and I have and I have investments and I use these accounts as the way to get into the stock market because and I'll, I'll use that to say we can't all just walk into the stock market and be like, hey, let me get a share of Tesla over here. Like you <laughs> always you have to have a broker and you have to have an account. And so you Mm -hmm. decide, as I was saying, you decide how much you can do and then you pick a type of account. There's a couple, you know, that are available to you. There's just a handful that are available. And then you get into the stock market and that's where you have like information overload. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then it it takes a little bit more research and more uh, due diligence to kind of figure out what you want to invest in. But truly, I'll tell you this right now. It's not something that's going to take you a long time to learn. There are so many great, there's actually TV shows now that teach you the basics. There are, YouTube is obviously our modern encyclopedia. Um, I teach workshops for people that really want that additional support. And it doesn't take more than two hours to kind of figure out just what you need, just the basics, right? Um, so that you can get started. and. You have to keep learning as much as you want. You don't have to keep learning, but it's going to benefit you if you keep learning. So that's kind of like my approach in terms of how do I get started? How much do I contribute? Think about what you can do. Target 10% of your income. If you can do 10%, that's a great place to start. If you can't, start with what you can. Start with those $50, $25 every two weeks like I did. So yeah, Figure out how much you can do and then open up an account. Don't over uh, stress yourself picking between accounts. They all do the same. They're all brokers, you know, Uh, so just get started. And then eventually you can move things around if you need to. But the most important step is that first step. Totally. And I love how easily you break it down. And I love that you say that it just begins with that first step, but I think that that really also begins with a step where you actually take the bull by the horns and go, I am deserving and I am worthy of figuring this out for myself. Like I am smart enough and I'm capable enough to go and figure this out. They don't teach it to us in school. I wish that they would, but you're right. Honestly, like it was me changing my mindset around it and saying, I'm going to get curious about it, that then all of these resources open up. There are literal YouTube videos that will walk you through it step by step. Or, and this was really scary for me at the beginning, like I'm with Fidelity. I called Fidelity and I asked them questions that maybe sounded so simple in the beginning, but I was genuinely confused. And I think that we get scared to ask for help. And don't be afraid to ask those questions. I think that's really, really important. But 
I would love to just speak into one thing that really did trip me up in the beginning um, that I'm sure you can explain so much more eloquently than me. Understanding kind of that step-by-step process of how it's not like we just buy straight up, we Google Tesla stock and buy a hundred dollars of it. Like there are processes and there are containers and there are vehicles for each of those things. So for example, obviously if your brokerage like Fidelity or in the UK, there'll be a, a different one available to you wherever you are in the world. But then you also have the vehicle, like whether it's your traditional IRA or my Roth IRA or different things like that. Could you just explain that? Because I was so confused by that at the beginning. And then you go and you pick your diversified funds or what it is that you want to buy. Yeah, sure. When we think about the vehicles, as I mentioned, you can't just go into the stock market and be like, hey, let me get this. You know, they're like, no, (laughs) this is not, you don't do it like that. The way that you do it is that you do take a vehicle or you open up a type of account. And there are options on those types of accounts and types of vehicles. If we can kind of try to illustrate it, when we open up a IRA or Roth IRA, you can kind of think of that like a, uh, I don't know, a Toyota. It's a car, right? You take, you get it in a Toyota to get to the stock market. And this Toyota, because it's a simple four-door car, um, is going to allow you to put things, put stocks into that car, right? And those stocks are the things that you own forever until you decide to sell them. Um, so every vehicle is a different size. Every vehicle has a different um, sort of tax purpose. Um, so if you buy, if you get a, a an IRA, you are literally saying, okay, I want to buy these stocks and I don't want to pay taxes on it right now. And when I'm taking mm-hmm. it out, I'll pay taxes on it. So that's the, that's the traditional IRA. The Roth IRA, on the other hand, is one where you will pay taxes as you earn the money and never have to worry about paying those taxes ever again. So they all are different vehicles. They're all kind of different colors, but the IRAs are the sort of the same size. So they're all Toyotas and they, they just come in different colors. And the color just indicates if you're going to pay taxes now or you pay taxes later, right? Then there are other vehicles and you can think of like a Lincoln SUV. That's like a 401k. (laughs) It's a big car. You know, it's like the Uber X essentially, right? It's a big car. And the reason why I am illustrating them in different cards, (laughs) I don't know if you guys are are car fans. (laughs) I am. Uh, but the reason I'm illustrating in different car sizes is because they also have their limits on it. So the Roth IRA and traditional IRA, currently the limit is $6,000 on that type of vehicle, on that top of, type of account. So you can only put $6,000 into that account. The Lincoln SUV, that is like a 401k where you can put $19,500 into that account. So you're going to be able to rack up a lot more assets, a lot more stocks into that account. So which one do you have access to? You know, if you have a job you with a that offers 401k, you're going to have access to that Lincoln. You're going to have the ability to invest $19,500 per year into that account. And as you can imagine, that's that will add up real quick. <laughs> so it's mm-hmm. definitely the Uber X of investing. <laughs> um, but if you don't have access to a job that, that offers a 401k, you maybe you're self-employed, like many of us are, I am, you will get the Toyota and your limit is going to be $6,000. And aside from the Toyota, you're also going to have to get another, another car. Let's just say a Honda. And that Honda is going to be a brokerage account because if you can only put $6,000 in, but you want to invest more, you're going to have to open another account. You're going to have Mm -hmm. to get another vehicle, right? So I hope that was a little bit helpful. (laughs) Super, super helpful. But I'd love you to even just speak into what a brokerage account is because I know there's somebody listening who's going, okay, okay. So I get that. That's that vehicle. I can max it out with 6K a year. Most of the women here listening are probably self-employed. Like, What do you then mean? By okay, a brokerage account. What would the what would the difference with that be? Sure. So the difference with a brokerage account is that that vehicle is not going to have any sort of limit attached to it. Mm. You can basically think of it as a convertible. 
in a convertible, you're going to be able to stack up as many as you want. And because there's, it's not enclosed, you can put as many as you want. So, you know, the brokerage you, you can say is your convertible and you can put unlimited amounts of stocks in there. No, lim- no, no restriction like 401ks and Roth IRAs or traditional IRAs. But it's also a pricier type of vehicle. If you have this fancy vehicle that is a convertible, let's say, I don't know, a Ferrari. Honestly, it's so funny that I'm talking about cars because I really don't know cars that much. (laughs) But I just thought, I think it's a great analogy. You sound like you do. (laughs) (laughs) But let's say that you do have this this convertible. Well, the gas is going to be more expensive. It's going to require more maintenance. You're going to have to get it serviced more often. How does that apply to investing, right? I'll pull you guys back away from the car analogies. With the brokerage, you're going to pay, you're going to get a form at the end of the year. And that form is going to say, oh, all those things that you packed up in in that convertible, you got to pay taxes on it. Okay. And we want a piece of that. And that doesn't happen in retirement accounts. In retirement accounts, no one messes with you. Anything that you have in 401k and Roth accounts, it doesn't matter because you just resolve the the account at the end, right? When you're taking the money mm. out. But when it comes to a brokerage account, because it's not designated for retirement and it's just a fun account, we can say, or what I like to call the wealth building account, you do you are responsible for paying taxes on the dividends that you earn during the year off of those investments. Also, if you buy an investment and you sell it within the same year, let's say you bought a share of Netflix and you bought it at 300 and then before the end of the year, you sold it for $400, you made a $100 profit, you're going to get taxed on that $100. That profit is going to show up on that form at the end of the year. And then be like, oh yeah, yeah. Remember that, that stock that you sold? Uh, I hope you saved 30% of it because you're going to have to pay some taxes on it. Right. Um, and then the amount that you pay is going to vary based on how much you earn and your full tax situation. So would you say based on that knowledge and wisdom that when, like, when we're thinking about where somebody can begin is the most important step then begin with the retirement account, begin with the account that gives you the most leverage, the, the less expensive gas vehicle? I personally would. I yeah. like the idea of not, of you know, well, hopefully it's electric, right? You don't even have yeah. to worry about gas. Um, it's less expensive, saves you more money. It ultimately is going to probably grow the most because, you know, because you're contributing to it consistently. That's the goal. You're always contributing to it. So yeah, starting with retirement accounts is prob- probably the easiest, the no brainer. So if you think about how to prioritize them, you can say, 401k because I have access to it, IRA because I can start my own account outside of my company, then a brokerage account that's going to be focused on building wealth. Maybe I'm going to have a slightly different strategy where it's more short, short-term short investing and I plan to use that money in five years. So you can think of it in a lot of different ways. Um, that's the amazing thing about investing. Like you can really craft your own story. You can really craft your own strategy to make it work for you. We don't want to forget about HSAs and FSAs. Those are two additional accounts that you can um, contribute to and use them for medical expenses uh, or even childcare expenses. So you want to explore, you want to find out. You're basically going car shopping. Go car shopping, figure out what these accounts are what their limits are, how much it costs, you know, uh, what are the benefits, the pros and cons. And then you start building your, your garage. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. Perfect little button to tie it all up in. And I, (laughs) I, I I do honestly see, and this, I think comes back to those, those pillars that you were talking about. I think it is a balance between the two where I do see a lot of, um, women in business and female entrepreneurs who just have not thought about the future, haven't thought about their retirement accounts because they're very much focused on creating the revenue and the profits within their business now, which I totally get. That comes back to the value pillar of having your own business and expanding your income. And that's super important. 
But what happens when we don't take action on the future now is that, well, what happens when we come to retirement? And also compound interest is very, very sexy. (laughs) So I would love you to speak into that because I just don't want to see women falling into that, that pitfall of not actually setting themselves up for success in the future. Yes. What's really important about that is understanding that, yes, you are a superwoman and you are doing amazing things with your business and you're flourishing and you're investing into your business and you're, doing, you're, you're showing up every single day and doing everything you can. But guess what? You have to also look out for that future self. You know, mm. we are all superwomen, superwomen, and we're going be, we're going to always be able to figure stuff out. But why would we want to make things harder for ourselves? <laughs> the goal is to make things easier for ourselves. And you do that by planning ahead. So when you plan ahead for your finances, you can do amazing things in your career. You can figure out life. You can continue to learn, meet amazing people, build as many businesses as you want. But when you are planning ahead, you're also going to have that little bit of that person in the back of your head that's saying, hey, make sure that you're saving, make sure that you're investing, investing particularly, because I think women, we do a really good job at saving, honestly. Um, But when it comes to investing, we can just feel a little bit behind, although statistics show that we are better investors. Keep that in mind that oftentimes the men are the ones that are emotionally selling, emotionally investing, whereas women are much more pragmatic about it and they're more strategic about it. So, you know, think about that when you're getting started and and know that you have a whole community of women that are building wealth. Yeah. Or diversifying their wealth, diversifying their income. So it's really important to do a couple of things and to have different streams, but it's not even as important to do that as it is to plan for the future and invest. Mm -hmm. You know, so you want to think about a three-year plan, a five-year plan. When we invest for retirement, we're thinking about a 30, 40, 50 year plan, you know, if you start really young. So that helps, you know, and the further out that you plan for, the easier it's going to be to plan for that because you can just be consistent. You don't have to invest hundreds of dollars a month. You could start with just a little bit. And because you're doing it consistently, that's going to add up and it's going to build up to be a a huge account and a great account Mm -hmm. that will, that, that will provide you with resources in the future. So yes, obviously work on your business, work on your streams of income. I feel like right now the opportunities to make money are so much greater than they've ever been before. Mm. You know, we talk, I'm from the Dominican Republic. I'm an immigrant here in the U.S., but I've always had that perspective of this is the land of opportunity. You know, this is why my parents sacrificed and left their home that they loved and 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 cared so much about to come to this new place was seeking out new opportunities. And, and I think that we always have to keep that perspective, whether you've, mm-hmm. you're an immigrant like me or you, your family has been here for generations, keep that in mind and understand that there is so much that we can do. And, and because of how the world has developed now, it's even beyond thinking about this country. You know, I started investing Latina really focused on helping people in my community. And I thought about the 60 million Latinos that live in the United States. And it wasn't until recently that I started shifting my business strategy to offer it to the 500 million that live across the world. And I say this also to say that things do take time and exploration and um, strategizing, but think big. Think big, think about the possibilities, think about the opportunity, focus on what you like to do. Some people don't like that idea and some people go against them. They're like, you don't have to like your job. You know, it's a job and you're making money. And that is true to to a certain extent and it can work for for many people. 
But honestly, life is so much more fun when you enjoy <laughs> what you're doing. <laughs> like I enjoy what I'm doing. And although I'm, I'm constantly exhausted, <laughs> um, I am pretty happy about doing it. And, and it fulfills me in many different ways. Yeah. And if you want to feel motivated about why you should even invest or why, what your mission is behind taking those action steps, like go and like look at a interest calculator or look at uh, an investment calculator and put in that amount that you intend to start with into the calculator and times it by however many years until you're ready to retire. And look at what that number and that figure can be. Because let me tell you, that excites me when I see that number. That motivated me to begin. Um, I'm really curious about what your process is. I know you could probably talk for ages about it, but <laughs> maybe we can like button it up in how you pick where you're going to invest. I actually saw something on your Instagram about this, about picking the companies that you're going to invest in. Is that a specific process for you? Um, what I recommend that people do is put together a thesis for their investment. And it could just be something very simple. And it could just be, I want to invest in order to have a secure retirement, which means I'm investing for the long term. Mm -hmm. Your thesis can also look like, I want to invest for my retirement, but I also need to invest outside of retirement so I can support my parents as they age. Um, I am investing for long-term, not only for my generation, but for my kids as well. So when you put together this thesis and this idea of the reasoning why you're investing, it truly helps you make better decisions. Because if you are investing for the long-term, you can think of choosing companies that you think will, will be around a long time, you know, and it could be some that have already been around for a long time that have you know, a potential to still continue to be a strong company. And I'll just say, not that this is any investment advice at all. Um, disclosure, uh, you know, I'm not a personal, uh, I'm not a certified financial planner. And even if I was, it, this cannot be taken as investment advice. But a brand like Disney, Disney isn't going anywhere at all. Like, you know, and, and honestly, I could be wrong, right? Maybe Disney will, will decide to close one day. But the fact that Disney has such a powerful brand that transcends generations, people in their 50s go to Disney by themselves. And <laughs> parents take their kids that are, you know, two-year-old or even one-year-old to go see Disney and uh, to their amusement parks or to watch the movies or buy the products, all kinds of things, right? So when you have a thesis and when you know why you're investing, you're going to be position yourself in a place where you can make good decisions and pick companies that align with those values and that mission. So that's kind of like a general way to think about it. Of course, it can be much, much deeper. And even if you do decide that you want to explore Disney, you want to look at those numbers. You want to you want to look at the financials. You want to think of it as a relationship. <laughs> if you are willing to do all the searching when you're meeting a guy and, and you want to find all the pictures and all the history, you got to do the same thing for your stocks, honey. You have to mm -hmm. <laughs> do the work and you have to do the research. Um, and so there are a lot of more elements that come into choosing what your investments are going to be, but that's kind of a, a general. Yeah. And there's opportunity as well, like to diversify and have percentages of different companies. If you want to pick a safer option and there's just, just so much, so many resources out there to support you in making that decision. And it has to just be the decision that is aligned with what your goal is, as you're saying, speaking of goals. When this comes out, we are probably heading into the Thanksgiving and the Christmas season. And that can bring up different, you know, money management thoughts or questions or feelings. What advice would you have as we kind of button up 2021 and then step into the new year? What money advice or investment advice or yeah, what what would you what would you love to speak into for the listeners around that topic? Yeah, when it comes to the holidays, it's a really stressful time. I know it, especially I talked earlier about how my family 
has been very collaborative <laughs> and we have a huge family. So that brings a, a nice layer of pressure during holiday. <laughs> um, it also means that we, with that additional family pressure, we can also feel pressure to spend more money on gifts, on dinners, on celebration, all kinds of things. I think that what I always like to tell people going into the holiday season is just pace yourself, you know, and don't feel pressured to do things just because we've done them in the past, just because they're, you know, we're used to doing it because they're traditions, like make sure that you're doing things truly because they mean a lot to you and they're valuable to you. And honestly, another toy or another bath and body work set is not going to make a difference to anyone. <laughs> so don't feel like you have to buy these things and don't feel the pressure of, of overspending, especially during the holiday season. I mean, it's called Black Friday for a reason um, because companies profit so much at the end of the year. And it's really when they become profitable. And uh, in holidays, you know, it's a moneymaker for, for these companies. So you have to always decide is this important enough to me? Is this valuable enough for my family for me to go above and beyond and break the budget for? Or do I rather, you know, do it in a different time of year? Think about, um, you know, spreading it out. Think about the birthday. You know, so I just think that we have a lot of extra pressure during this time of year to overspend. And I just want to encourage you to to try your best to avoid that extra pressure. I know that it, it took me a long time to not be that way. You you guys heard I, I used to have a shopping addiction. So I used to love the holidays because I would buy gifts for everybody. And now mm. it's like, okay, you know, it was kind of a waste of money. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Instead, you could buy them stocks now, you know. Which I, I was like. just going to say that. I'm like, is there a better gift even for your children? <laughs> <laughs> you know, let them buy their own bath set, you know, uh, their own mm -hmm. personal needs. You can definitely do something that's going to help them grow their, their mm -hmm. wealth. So that's, that's definitely an option. And then the other mm -hmm. thing about the end of the year is that you want to plan for next year. I feel like we went through a lot the last 18 months, the last two years. It's been rough, you know, um, with the pandemic and a lot of people have lost jobs. We, a lot of people have unfortunately lost family members. I've lost some family members. It's been really difficult. So I think it's really just an opportunity and a moment for us to slow down a little bit you know, and, and think about what does next year look like for us and, and take the time to journal and to draw out what you would like the year to look like for you from the things that we talked about an income perspective. How do you increase your income, reduce your debts, uh, get over the fear of investing, work on those things. And, and you're going to be set for a successful year ahead. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that wisdom and that knowledge and for just being a powerful voice for especially the Latino community, because that is so inspiring and so needed. And you're modeling wisdom that is going to create so many more opportunities for people in the future by making these decisions. So thank you so much for being here. Where can people go and learn more about you and connect with you online? Yes. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. Thank you for, for all the questions. If you want to connect more with me, I go by investing Latina on all social platforms. Instagram is kind of where I hang out the most. That's my water cooler. <laughs> and then I also have Twitter and I also have Facebook. So you can find me on all socials as investing Latina. I have a workshop. If you're interested in learning more about investing and you want to join our community that meets on a weekly basis to explore new investment opportunities. That's a way that, that you can do it. And that's available on investinglatina.com. Amazing. Oh, I can't imagine a better investment for yourself at Christmas as you step into <laughs> the new year than taking action in that and being part of that supportive community that's saying yes to investing. So thank you for sharing that. And thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Bye everyone. 
If you loved today's episode, please be sure to leave a review on iTunes and hit the subscribe button because women supporting women is my jam. And if you want extra daily doses of motivation, then be sure to follow me on Instagram at girl underscore unfiltered and go ahead and screenshot this episode. Send me a DM and share your biggest takeaway because I love hearing from you and I just really want to drop into your DMs basically. (laughs) So I'm sending you so much love and abundance and have an amazing day. Thank you.